Hey, got the morning show with Aaron, and on the line from Extreme, I've got Rick Thorpe. Good morning, Rick. Yeah, good morning, Aaron. You enjoying the rain, Rick? I know you've got a garden going out there at your place. Yeah, totally. Yep, this is the first real rain that we've had. I mean, since that um, storm came through, but that was pretty much all wind and no um, or very little rain, especially for us. So yeah, we're we're celebrating. It's yeah, great. Yeah, it's pretty salty wind as well. Yeah, it was amazing. Mm. Yep, just uh, we, we did. Um, what we were about five k's, kind of, you know, from um, Ragland Township, but we had salt spray on our windows. And, and that's in, I, that's inland, right? Not five k's up the coast. It's five k's inland. Yeah, five k's inland. And um, and when I swept off um, the roofs to receive water for our tanks, I collected up um, a couple of cups of black sand. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Impressive. Never seen that in 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so we're here to talk about um, government plans. They're calling it government plans to transform recycling, uh, including improved curbside recycling, a scheme to incentivise people to return their drink containers, and separation of businesses' food scraps from general waste. Rick, um, how is this as significant? Well, probably never as significant as the government would, would say, but is this significant? It definitely is, yep. It's um, showing real leadership from central government and um, and that's really what we've been missing is, is you know, someone holding a, um, a vision for the future, being able to um, say to all of the um, councils around the country, this is what we need to hit as a nation in terms of waste minimisation and the negative impacts of waste, um, spe- especially around climate change. So the improved curbside recycling um, can recycle the same materials all around the country, food scraps. That's basically what we've had here for a long time, isn't it? Yeah, and um, maybe about um, 18 months ago, um, I was involved in a working group and we were looking at standardisation of curbside recycling and everyone was involved kind of in the waste um, sector and we were deciding about um, what sort of suite of of services that you could have in anyone's um, council to provide, you know, the impacts that we want, um, the waste diversion, and and um, and particularly around um, climate change and around um, carbon emissions. And it was really difficult. I mean, for up in Auckland, you know, they're still receiving sort of one to seven plastics, but for places that are far away from markets, it's really difficult for them to create volume and be able to transport up to these markets and participate. As well as the recycling's kind of right down the bottom of that waste hierarchy. Really where we need to be is around reuse. And so that's sort of bottle washing plants and refilling stations. And there was a a real proliferation of um, different types of plastics that are also available and we really don't need all of those different types of plastics. We only really need two or three categories of plastics, ones, twos, and fives. And those are the ones that are easiest to recycle? Yeah, especially in terms of volume. You know, we're, we're a small country, and if we're going to set up circular economy and have these plastics go round and round multiple times, be reused within a circular system onshore here in New Zealand... We really need to focus on on what are those plastics and and delete the other ones. 
and it's and I guess the um, standardisation of curbside is one way of doing that. It's saying to industry, we're going to phase these plastics out, and you've got to change your your um, products um, packaging to these types of plastics. So anywhere within Aotearoa, you'll be able to actually put ones, twos, and fives out at the curbside and have it have it um, go into a circular system. How um, how much of the plastic waste? that's going into the whole system is is those plastics that can't be recycled easily yeah um i can't tell you offhand i mean we've got um you know sort of 22 years of stats um um, (laughs) here in raglan so i'll be able to provide that um for you but you know i would say that it's somewhere around um sort of 20 to 30 percent of of the plastics yeah and, and it is changing. You know, we, we are seeing um, a greater variety in number ones and number two plastics. So that's that's good news. Um, but anyway, for the standardisation of, of, of the systems that they're hoping to bring in, it's um, about crates, not wheelie bins. It's about having um, those one, two, and five plastics. It's having glass separated out, paper and cardboard, tin and alley cans. And food waste. So the government wants all councils within New Zealand to have a curbside collection of food waste. And this will be part of the standardisation that they hope will be in place for all councils um, to hit the, uh, that and, um, by 2025. Uh, yeah, 2025. Sure. Okay. Um, so- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Rick, you know what year it is. Yeah, folks, Rick had a very significant birthday last week. He knows what year it is. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yes. We won't, we won't, we won't name the number. Um, just say it's very significant. So yeah, I've got, I've that's got, right. I've got a don't, little, tell, yeah, uh, don't tell people I'm 16. Oh, yeah. No, we won't do that. Not on the radio. Um, you mentioned crates instead of wheelie bins. That's actually really significant. Um, I know if, with Extreme having crates pick up instead of wheelie bins and all the machinery that goes that's required after you have a wheelie bin is significant in terms of the employment offered locally isn't it yeah that's right yep it's more of a manual system but it's directed at being able to offer back to the individual household you're doing a really amazing job well done thank you for your contribution or you can just change it around a little bit separate out your glass or plastics and that step is missed when you have a wheelie bin system and it's just tipped straight into the volume and becomes part of the mass. So, you know, when it hits the the sorting um, and conveyor belt um, back at the MERV, you know, it might be sort of um, 10 or 30% residual waste, but they've really got no idea of where it's coming from. So, so the then MERV? they just fire out generic, you know, education. The, the oh, MERV? A MERF is a is a materials um, um, recycling plant, um, so it's it's kind of the mechanical way for the larger cities um, to be able to do the separation. Um, whereas um, the amazing job that's done by the householder in Raglan, the separation is done at the at that household level, and that's the way that it's displayed at the curb, and so it becomes very easy for us to keep that separation. And um, and and therefore our product is um, really high value. It's it's it gets a um, a higher premium at market um, because we're less than one percent residual waste. 
So yeah, all, the, all the recyclables don't just get jumbled together and crushed together, particularly the glass gets through everything when it gets crushed. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, so the standardisation is pretty exciting and, and it's amazing that um, Raglan has pretty much the standard service, you know. It it's, um, has all of those components with the crates, with um, the one, two and five plastics and the food waste collection, really important. So we're doing really well and, um, and the system we're using here might become the standard approach for the entire country. Um, by 2025, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that is. That's you wouldn't expect that 20 years ago, would you? Or maybe you're no. hoping for it. Yeah, that's right. And and certainly the tools have been available in the Waste Minimisation Act, which was set up in 2008, and we've really been lobbying since 2008 for the minister to be able to use these tools. So one is about um, the design of these systems. Um, and um, another one is about CDS or container deposit systems. Mm. So for people as old as me, at sixty years old plus, <laughs> um, we we will remember the days when you know there was a two or five or ten cents um, deposit back on on the coke bottle or the beverage bottles. I remember those days, Rick, and I'm, I'm much younger than you. Much younger, yes. yes. Well, so that system's going to come back. You know, we're right. going to have CDS again. So that no, so this is this, this is significant because we we've talked about how, like the beer bottles, are, the glass walls are really thin um, because they just get crushed instead of being re, you know reused. So is that going to have to change? And are we going to have a plastics going to have a, a a fee or a, a price on them now? That's correct. It'll, so it'll be plastics. Um, they're focusing on beverage um, bottles at the moment. Um, they're excluding um, milk um, bottles at the moment, um, but all of this is open for submissions. So we encourage Raglan community, you know, use your experience. You're, you're way beyond um, where most um, other people are around the country, so your experience is really powerful. Mm. Um, but submit between now and um, I think the 8th of May is the last date for submissions. Um, where the government want to have this feedback. And we will certainly be saying at Extreme Zero Waste and within the Zero Waste Network that we want it expanded to include milk bottles. Um, It does include um, glass bottles, which is great. And what we'll probably see in the future is that there will be the city bottle washing plants Mm. re-established which is also part of the system that you and I would have remembered, you know, where those bottles would have come in, you would have kept them in good condition, presented them, collected your deposit, and then those bottles are well washed, sorted, and can easily go to um, regional or, or districts bottle washing plants for reuse and refilling. So they don't need to be um, broken down you know, and remelted and turned back into bottles again. Yeah, it's a much. There will a, be a transition. Yeah, I mean that's a very in, in, energy-intensive way of doing it, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So this is all kind of part of product stewardship. The CDS system or the container deposit system is part of product stewardship. It's saying that if you produce a product, you've got to be um, responsible for the packaging and for the product at the end of its life. So we're going to see a lot more of this. 
the next ones up will be tyres and electronic waste. Yep. Um, but yeah, we hope, and this is the toolkit which the Minister has, and we're really thankful that this toolkit has been being used now. So, there's, so is that on? Are they working on that now? Tyres and electronics. Yep, they are. Yep. Okay. And yep, I would imagine that they'll be announced. A product stewardship system will be announced. We've had voluntary ones, but these will, ones will be mandatory. So this this product stewardship system around containers glass and plastic containers will be a mandatory system so this is the we're talking about the like the electronics like this is quite common overseas isn't it yeah very common yeah yeah very common um and that then will have greater employment you know there'll be disassembly plants there'll be spare parts available um people will start making electronics once again um so that they can actually be repaired rather than replaced have you been? Have you guys aware of the the right to repair fight that's been going on in the US, North yeah. America? Yeah, that's sure. Because people, especially like Apple products, you just you literally couldn't do anything to fix them yourself. Yeah. And if you paid Apple to do it, it would just end up being cheaper to buy a new one. Um, I'm picking on Apple, but it's a problem throughout yeah. the, the whole industry. And um, yeah. and it's actually like a people's movement that's actually brought that one about with with a few of the well known YouTube tech people um, leading the way. Yep. Yeah, very much so. And same same discussion in Europe as well. So legislation being formed. Yeah, the right to repair. Bizarre, eh? It's ridiculous that we have should fight for the right to repair something we own. But yeah, yeah, there we are. Hey, um, so the third thing on the list of the government press release I'm looking at here is separation of businesses' food scraps from general waste. So have, have yep. we have we been doing that here? The businesses in Raglan are amazing, and um, so they. Um, minimise their um, food waste to begin with um, for most of the restaurants and then they have um, usually um, friendly pig farmers um, within the community who pick up um, their scraps so very little food waste is going to landfill but Mm. some is and there are sort of some problem food waste um, particularly around um, meats and things which um, pig farmers can't accept so in that system, they, so the government is saying that uh, they want it mandatory for all businesses to be separating out their organic waste by 2025. So once again, this is this is about the Climate Change Commission and staying on track um, to try and minimise our negative impact. Yeah, and so that this is an easy win um, to remove organics from landfills. And within the toolkit, the minister can actually um, say that there will be a ban on organics in landfills, and therefore, you know, recovery systems need to be put in place. Um, but yeah, we're we're okay here in in Raglan and Whangarei. We're really um, having the HCU and the setup means that we can tack on more services and divert a greater range of um, organics. So. so we're, the, the HCU, the hot compost unit, has that got more capacity? Um, it's it's kind of um, pretty maxed out with with the size and growth of Raglan, but um, there might be some other ways of utilising it um, um, to be able to accept a greater range or you know greater volume. It's um, Lizzie's kind of working on that at the moment um, and um, producing a greater range of products as well that we can so that we can do more 
food production here in, in Whangaroa. So, yeah, those are the three things that are um, down there from um, for people to submit on. One is the standardisation of curbside collections, which includes a mandatory um, weekly food waste collection service. Um, the second one is about, yeah, the food waste from the businesses and mandatory um, to do that separation. And, um, and then the third one is around the beverage containers, the container deposit systems. Um, so if people are interested, we're going to have some more information and some model submissions um, available online and um, our wonderful Sarah um, will produce those and encourage people to make submissions. But also, you know, think about it in, in relation to the submission process you're going through at the moment for food waste collections here in, in Raglan. You know, this, this is going to become standard and mandatory in 2025. So if, if people don't support it now, then we will have to do it in another three years' time. Anyway. And we will have to pay for for the um, provision of um, bins, etc. So it's going to be a lot more expensive um, than it is at the moment because we already have the infrastructure. But if we, if we interrupt that, if we stop the service, if we don't support it through the submission process now and have to reinstate it in three years' time, well, it'll cost you more. Okay, why is that? Why is that, Rick? You have to rebuild things, or what's the? Yeah, we'll have to um, um, repurchase the kitchen caddies and the curbside bins. Oh yeah, okay. We can't can't expect people just to have them kind of in the shelf in the garage for three know, years. For three years. <laughs> um, They'll get used be... for other things. They are useful. They are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just. A small price to pay for um, climate change, you know. I think, um, yeah, it's a it's a concern for the next few generations, and um, we've had it pretty good through, um, certainly through my life, and very few restrictions, but probably it come at a bit of a cost for future generations. So, yeah, a small contribution now will um, certainly help you know, on a um, you know national scale to be able to meet these targets. I, I I'm. It's intriguing. So you say a lot of the, through this conversation, you've been saying a lot of this legislation's been in place since two thousand and eight, but the government hasn't done anything about it. And we're talking about food waste in, in the landfill, which causes greenhouse gases and leachate, which is pretty gnarly stuff. So, yep. is, is, am I right in that 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 capacity's been sitting there for a while, but we haven't used it? Yeah, that's right. Yep, and um, yeah, as we sort of you know move our way through the rhythm of um, three-year elections, you know, and having a different, different um, governments in place. You know, it's certainly been on the table, but no one has been, um, you know, brave enough to, to actually bring it in. Mm. But I think because of the Climate Change Commission's um, work and the fact that we're really lagging in New Zealand in terms of proactive um, work to minimise the negative impacts of um, climate change, um, this is, you know, it'll need to be compulsory and um, it'll need to happen really soon. Okay, and um, the, but they are going through a consultation, which some might argue they don't need to do. Um, was the, now, what was the last thing? It was the plastic bags, the single-use plastic bags. Did they consult on that or did they just put that one straight through? I No, they, they consulted on it. Um, yep, there was a submission process um, for that. But there was yeah, compelling evidence, you know, that it was an issue. Yeah. And a lot, you know, it, 
people said it would never happen um, that we would get a ban on plastic bags, but there you go. But and once again, Whangaroa led the way. You know, we were plastic bag free at the supermarkets with the um, amazing support that we got from Raglan businesses. Um, we were pl- um, single-use plastic bag free for two years before the national rollout. Yeah. Now, I'm interested, there's one other thing I'm interested in too, that if, if they're banning, um, basically banning organic material in the rubbish bags is basically what they're saying, um, I think. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but but how does that get policed? Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so, so wheelie-bin systems um, becomes very difficult, you know, because you're not interacting with the individual household, um, so, whereas the um, crate system, you know, is, is better in the food waste. Um, if you're not if you're not putting out, um, you know, a food a food waste bin, but you're putting out two blue bags, um, it's obvious where your um, organics is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. It, I mean, we we actually have applied um, to central government for there's there's a carbon tax, which is about at the moment about seven dollars a ton, and um, in many other parts of the world it's like one hundred and fifty dollars a ton, and that's really where it needs to be somewhere between one hundred and one hundred and fifty dollars a ton to really change people's um, behaviour, and this is kind of commercial as well as um, domestic. Um, but the carbon tax at the moment um, in Aotearoa is about $7 a tonne. And we um, applied and said, look, we're um, separating out um, our wood, our green waste, our food waste, our paper, our cardboard. Can we actually be exempt um, from paying this tax? And they said, well, it's going to actually cost more to audit you um, <laughs> than it will be, you know, for you to pay the tax. Um, but... The idea of the tax is about behaviour change, and so you know we will continue to to ask that question. And as the tax goes up in the future, and it definitely will, it'll leap up as as the landfill tax is leaping up. It was ten dollars a ton last year, twenty dollars a ton at the moment. It'll go to forty dollars a ton by two thousand twenty-four. And once again, the the real behaviour change, especially around organics, happens at about a hundred dollars a ton. That's the, the kind of tax limit. So, in the future, landfilling is going to be really expensive. Organics is going to have to be removed. Um, so we're going to have to have those sorts of systems here and um, you know find it all. I guess the flip side of policing something is is to have an easy to use um, organic waste service, basically, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's turn it into some positives. You know, let's let's make amazing compost so that we can grow more and more food and become more and more resilient in town. You know, and um, we've seen it over this last couple of years with COVID. You know, the supermarkets just get emptied, and um, so you know, is that the future that we want? Do we want to build some resilience and be growing a greater range of foods? Let's support the amazing market on Friday nights downtown with all of the locals growing um, seedlings and, and, and food. Let's eat with the seasons and have sun ripens. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Extreme does, I mean, part, part of the end product of the hot compost unit is uh, compost, um, verifiable compost that will help the garden grow. And you've also got, there's a, I don't know the names of it, there's all sorts of things, aren't there, Rick? 
of, of compost and yeah, products yeah. and the wormweeds and and um, yeah, absolutely. Yep, soil conditioners. Yeah, 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 yeah. mulches. Yeah, there's lots lots of different products for different purposes. And you know, these are special soils. You know, they were built by Karioi and Orkiti um, Volcanics, and you know, we've been mining the minerals and the soil structure um, for the last you know couple of hundred years, hundred and fifty mm. years. So important that we um, put, build the soil structure and the organic matter um, back in there so that we can look after it and grow a, a greater range of food, greater yeah. volume of food for the future. Yeah. All right, folks, we've been talking to Rick from Extreme. And uh, so the, the government consultation is, ends in, was it May sometime? Yep, correct. And more, more current is the Raglan-specific uh, food waste consultation, which is, is that the end of this month? Yeah, at the end, yep, end of March, so okay. only a couple more weeks or another week or so to go. Yeah, please get your submissions in. Please reflect on that um, this will become mandatory in the future, and um, so we need to be continuing to lead the charge on this. Yeah, yeah, and um, people can do that at the council website. I know I've seen it there. Are there forms at council office? Do we know that? I think so, yes. Um, council office um, and Maybe at the iHub. I'm not sure. Okay, all right. Um, they're around the. Ask around. You'll find them. Yeah, and they're online as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the council Just website. Go to Waikato District Council. But give us a ring up at the Recycle Centre if you've got questions. If you want to talk about anything um, from today's um, um, radio interview, and um, more than happy to answer people's questions. And um, Sarah's just texted me to say that um, it's linked on your Facebook page. Oh yeah. Cool. So there we go. Thank you, Sarah. My Facebook page. <laughs> well, it should be, Rick. It should be. All right. Go and do it now, as soon as we get off the air. Okay. No, the, I mean the extreme Facebook page. Yeah. All right, Rick. Thanks for your time this morning.